You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. getting ready for the coming of the Lord. And we're going to keep talking about it. We're going to keep sharing about it. Amen. Because the coming of the Lord is closer and closer than we could ever think. Amen. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord tonight. Obviously, there's multiple things happening in God's house throughout the building. And uh, we've been going through this series for the last 12 weeks and uh, small groups taking place. Brother Cromwell, good to see you tonight. Great to have you with us in the house of the Lord. And um, we've been doing a series called Better. And um, we've been going through the book of Leviticus and the book of Hebrews. And uh, we've been focusing on the new covenant being better than the old covenant. And I thank God for the new covenant. Amen. And um, I'm glad to be living under the new covenant. And we ended uh, last week at the end of of chapter 12, and so this is our last lesson. We're picking up uh, in the end of Hebrews, and um, if we go back just kind of to the end of chapter 12, uh, if we go back to what has been, uh, we've learned through chapter 11 and 12, chapter 11, of course, gives us examples of people who lived by faith, and we went through multiple of those examples, and how uh, we talked about worship in faith and war in faith and walking faith, all different kinds of faith that is given to us uh, as examples through chapter 11. And then through chapter 12, the writer of Hebrews gives us encouragement that you and I can live by a similar type of faith. We have a cloud of witnesses, a, 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 a host of examples that you and I can, can look back at and say, listen, these people... Uh, were not perfect, but they lived by faith. And um, they made it to the end, and so can you and I. And so that's what chapter 12 is about. It's encouragement for the church today and you and I who are living in the church today. Uh, chapter 13 kind of brings it to a conclusion, the writer of the book of Hebrews, and we've been speaking about this throughout uh, the last six lessons. This will be lesson six on Hebrews where it's kind of a commentary on the book of Leviticus and um, giving us, of course, the book of Leviticus being a shadow of the New Testament, of the Old Covenant to the, to the New Covenant. And uh, we're going to uh, pick up with chapter 13 tonight. And the writer of Hebrews not only gave us examples from chapter 11, encouragement in chapter 12, but he gives us evidence in chapter 13 of what living uh, what living by faith or living in faith or through faith, what it looks like for you and I. And he's given us really two um, major uh, pieces of evidence, and we'll go through different things about um, uh, what is shown to us through chapter 13. So we'll just pick up with um, uh, chapter 13, verse 1. And the first example or the first uh, uh thing that he shows us as evidence is uh, our love for others. And um, that should always be the case in our walk with God. 
under the new covenant. There is a love for others that should radiate through our lives on a continual basis. Now, he's going to give us the first four verses here. He's going to talk about different aspects of how we love people. And uh, there are uh, multiple things that are mentioned. So he starts with chapter 13, verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. Um, And so uh, it's important for us to know that you cannot separate love and behavior. You can't say that you love someone and your actions be different than what you're saying. So you can't separate love from behavior. If you say that you love someone and your behavior doesn't show it, uh, then there's something wrong with what is being said or there's something wrong with what you're doing. Uh, it's, uh, when he says, let brotherly love continue, you can't separate love from behavior. It's an active sense. It is something um, that continually shows itself by our actions. So what you're seeing here for the word love is philios, which we, uh, we get the word Philadelphia from. And uh, if you know of Philadelphia, even the city of Philadelphia, even though I don't think it lives up to this word, uh, is known as uh, uh, the city of brotherly love. Now, I think there's probably some things lacking in that in Philadelphia at this time. Um, But that's actually what the name Philios or Philadelphia means, brotherly love. It comes meaning to lovingly or kindly or hospitality that is shown uh, to people, not just people we know, but also to other people. And so he starts out chapter 13 with giving us the evidence that we are living by faith. Faith is not something you just say, well, I've got faith, and, and it doesn't cause you to live a certain way. If you're living by faith, it's going to show through your action. It's going to come out in your behavior. Okay? Um, so simply saying, if you and I are to say, uh, I love the Lord then that's more than just a statement. That's proven by our action in how we love God. I can't say I love God and then not want to follow his word. I can't say I love God and not want to worship him. I can't say I love God and not want to be in the house of God. I can't say I love God and not want to spend time with him. Uh, So it's proven through our action. And so you see in this very first verse, um, that he, he tells us, let brotherly love continue. And then he goes on, and we'll read here, we'll go through each of them, uh, but hospitality to strangers in verse 2, identification with uh, imprisoned believers in verse 3, and faithfulness in one's marriage vows in verse 4. Uh, so you're going to notice here in uh, verse 2, be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Um, now, this is an interesting, uh, interesting way of putting it. He puts strangers and angels in the same sentence. Now, if you're, if you're thinking like I'm thinking, you're thinking some strangers are surely not angels. So what is, what is the writer of Hebrews trying to say? Well, he's, 
he's, he's saying let our brotherly love continue, obviously in, um, how, in our behavior, but it should also be shown in how we treat people, even people we do not know. And it shouldn't just be based upon whether we uh, rate them as good or bad. Um, a lot of people that are in the church today did not live the way they do today before they came in the church. What I mean by that is there's lots of people that had lives that were totally messed up before they came to the Lord. But someone obviously prayed for them, loved them, invited them, was kind to them, showed them brotherly love. And uh, it's important that we do not become cynical in our society that everybody we see is um, questionable. Um, if we're not careful, we fall into that trap. Now, I'm not telling you not to be wise and not to be careful. and you know, I'm not telling you not to do that. I'm, what I'm saying is brotherly love has to shine through us no matter what the person is like and no matter what the person has actually done. And the writer of Hebrews is going to take it even to a greater level in verse 3, and he says in verse 3, Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them, and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. Even takes it to the point where there may be people in prison. It, it, uh, it never, um, I never take it for granted, the ministry that we have in this church for prison ministry. I thank the Lord for the great elder that was part of this congregation for so many years in Brother Fudge that led, that led this church in seeing the necessity for us reaching people even though they were in prison. Not sure everyone is aware, not even sure everyone understands or realizes that while Brother Fudge did prison ministry, he baptized over 500 people while they were in prison. While they were in prison. And um, some of those people uh, today are in our churches serving God to the fullest, and I thank God for it. And I attribute that to someone who showed brotherly love even to people while they were incarcerated. A number of people, even in this congregation tonight, uh, Sister Carol, Brother Stewart, Brother Bill, different people, obviously Brother James, uh, that's, that was involved in prison ministry and some still today involved in prison ministry. And I thank the Lord for it because you know what? Uh, people can actually give their hearts to the Lord, be baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Spirit, even while they are incarcerated. And the writer of Hebrews says, listen, you got to let brotherly love continue. you got to even let it continue among strangers, even to the point where uh, it may be people who are imprisoned. So those are pretty, uh, pretty good signs of whether our faith is actually in action. Now, <laughs> I don't want anyone to think that he puts verse 4 uh, next 
to be uh, any connection to the verses that he's already given except for it's to show love, okay? Because I don't want anyone to think that their marriage is a prison and they're married to a stranger. <laughs> um, but he puts the next verse, verse 4, uh, right in here. <laughs> marriage is an honorable, is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. And he, he puts in here um, the moral purity of our, of our marriage to, to understand it's honorable. And uh, he, he, puts, he puts some examples in here of how people are not supposed to be. But he's putting it in the first four verses of letting brotherly love continue. And I think it's important to note that if faith is going to be exemplified in our lives, it will be exemplified in our home. Can't live for God at church, not live for God at home. Can't act a certain way at church and act a certain way at home. It will come out through yours and my behavior. Our love for God um, will prove itself even in the bonds of marriage. It's why he gave it as an example of, of Christ in the church, the bride and the bridegroom. These are, these are not just made up uh, things. He actually compares the church to being the bride to the bridegroom. I mean, he gives us examples. And so he's, he's sharing with us that uh, here's, some, here's some ways that your faith can actually continue under this new covenant to be evidence My actions will always speak louder than my words when it comes to brotherly love, how I treat people, how I treat people that are less fortunate, and also how I treat my family. Can't follow someone who doesn't treat their family right. It's Bible study night. You only got to listen to one more session with me at this point. It's, it's that serious when it comes to how we treat each other. And um, spouses, uh, it's important how you treat your spouse. It's important how you treat your kids. And um, there's been times in the past where I've had to Say I'm sorry. I had to ask for forgiveness. I had to correct some things because it is important. It's absolutely crucial that um, the Bible makes it pretty clear if you can't lead your own home. So these are types of things that are important in how we show the evidence of the love of God in our faith. Okay. Now he's, um, he's going to step into some some different territories here. Uh, let's look at verse 5 and 6. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto, unto me. Um, the word here, conversation, 
Um, it's translated in the King James Version as, trans, uh, as conversation, but it comes from the word tropus, which means our conduct or our way of life. And he says our conduct and way of life should be without covetousness. That's translated uh, in, in, in the Greek as, which is from the form of philios, which is love and also silver. So he's connecting. Uh, listen, he says, our way of life, our conduct of life should not be caught up in covetousness. Uh, uh, so he's speaking there in the sense of our character, uh, being, care being careful that our character is not characterized by the love for money. So it's not that money is a problem. It's the love of money. And the Bible says that the love of money is actually the root of all evil. And we're in a society, again, that's pushing that mentality. You can be wealthy in this world and not be at peace. You can have uh, just the necessities of life and enjoy it to the fullest. Now, I'm, I'm not here preaching for it or against it. What I'm telling you is that none of us can fall into the trap of loving it. Uh, it's the love of it that the writer of Hebrews says you don't want your character to be characterized by that. Material things um, uh, doesn't mean that you and I will be content. Paul said whatever state you're in, be content. And so we have to be careful. So he says, let your conduct, let your way of life be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. Don't let it be caught up in, in money. For he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Uh, he'll make sure that you and I will be okay. That's an assurance that he gives you and I. And that doesn't mean we shouldn't be good stewards. We should be wise. We should be frugal. We should be uh, careful. But here, listen to me when I tell you this. Two things will happen. You will either control money or money will control you. Okay? And you have to be careful that it's not controlling you. He said, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Okay, that doesn't mean that we don't have to do our part and we didn't, shouldn't make our effort. No, no, we do our part and we, do, we make whatever effort we can do. But the Lord, the writer of Hebrews said, the Lord is my helper. And I will not fear what man shall do unto me. God is going to take care of his people. He will not see the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. I'm only giving you scripture. He'll take care of you if he is first in your life. It's a key. Don't get caught up. He said, listen, this will be a proof and evidence of your faith. These are the types of things. Love will shine through your life, and you will not allow your life to be controlled by money careful. Um, nothing, nothing wrong with doing well. Nothing wrong with being a wise investor. Not, nothing wrong with any of those things. 
but it better not control you. Because if it does, you'll fall into the trap of the love of money. And that won't, that won't end well. Uh, next, he goes into another topic. Verse 7, remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Um, so the first evidence that he gives us is in the first six verses of being careful what to love. Being careful what to love. Then he goes into the second part, which starts with chapter, uh, verse 7, and he speaks about our submission to other people and how we, how we come under the guidance or rule or direction of other people. And the rest of the chapter, he's going to speak about this evidence. Now, um, there's, there's a lot of things that are kind of mentioned in here, but you'll notice... Um, uh, in the first two verses, he's talking about the submission or the following of, of your leaders. Three times in this chapter, he refers to those who have rule over us. Verse 7, verse 17, and verse 24. If he's mentioning something in the last chapter three times, it's probably pretty important. And it has to do with the leading or guiding and the idea is not so much that uh, someone is being commanded, but someone is leading. And there's a big difference between leading and driving. You drive cattle. You lead sheep. He never, ever compares you to a cow. Doesn't. But he compares us on many occasions to sheep. And so it's important that the example of who we're following is that we are being led, being led. And you can, you can pick up in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 to 3, you can see, and you can see uh, this idea. We see the idea that those who have rule are those who have spoken the word of God. If it is not based upon this word, then you got to be careful who you're following. Okay? The word of God is the guiding light. His word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. His word is guiding. The person you're following must be following the word. Doesn't matter, it doesn't matter who it is. The word of God is the guidance, and so when we're following, we must be following those who are following the word of God. And Peter talks about that. People who uh, whose faith should be followed are believers who who have uh, their conduct, their conversation following after the things of God. Don't follow me. If I'm not following his word. Okay, that's, that's, that's a key component. Key component. What's that mean? Don't get caught up in the person. The person is just as much human as you are. 
the position that God allows us to be in, that's to be reverenced and respected. But we're talking about human beings following human beings. So it has to be that the Word of God is the guidance. I don't have any issue saying that. This is not some type of dictatorship or... This is, this is God putting uh, a shepherd in place to lead the sheep, not drive the cattle. And uh, you can't be a good leader until you've already been a good follower. Can't ever be a good leader until you are a good follower. And uh, so this is, this is how he... He's, he's putting this, this is a evidence of your faith and my faith. Listen, when I, when I get myself into a situation where I think I'm bigger than what I'm part of, I'm in big trouble. That speaks for you as well. When you get yourself into a situation where you think that you're bigger, no more, all this stuff, be careful. Lest ye fall. Um, and so this is, he's going into the, the submission of following. Uh, these are evidences of our faith in action. Proof that God's working through our lives. Okay, uh, let's go on to the next part. Uh, the verse, uh, verse 9, be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. For the bodies of those beasts which or whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here have uh, we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Now that's a, that's a mouthful of scripture. And, and the writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, it's not time to get caught up in Judaism. It's time to get caught up in following Jesus. The new covenant is better than the old covenant. That's just, that's just the way it is. And so you have, you have the essence of simplicity. It's a summary of a warning being treated in great, great detail here in Hebrews. Believers in Christ, he says, are not to be moved by divers and strange doctrines. Notice who he's writing to. He's writing to the local Jewish church. Specifically, they're not to revert to any aspect, the writer of Hebrews is saying, not to revert back to Judaism. He's writing to the Jewish local church and says, listen, Jesus Christ has showed up on the scene. His covenant, the new covenant, is better than the old covenant. And what he brings out as an example is he he, he brings out the example of meats. Meats refers to the commandments of the law pertaining to Moses. You can read throughout the, 
book of Corinthians, they had an issue with meats being uh, a big topic of discussion. And some people couldn't get over the fact that new converts were using meat that had been sacrificed to idols. They got a good deal on it. And some Christians were having an issue with, we, we don't know, like, how is it that they can eat that stuff? And Paul comes to the forefront and says, get a grip. This is not what it's about. Paul says, listen, get yourself out of the idea where it's going to be about the meat. There's much bigger things at play here. The new covenant has come into, has come into existence. Now listen, when it comes to any diet, Anything should be done in moderation. Hey, I, I love Mars bars. But, I, you know, it's not good for me to eat eight or ten of those a day. No, that's, that's not healthy. <laughs> so moderation is to be done in all cases, no matter what we're doing. And Paul... Uh, some people think it's Paul. I slipped and said that. I'll go back to the writer of Hebrews. <laughs> Sorry about that. It could be Paul. Uh, one of the strange doctrines, he says, listen, uh, that was attacking the first century uh, church was the commandment to abstain from certain foods. And uh, you, can, you can read through uh, 1 Timothy 4 and 3. You can read through different scriptures in the New Testament. Paul says uh, in other writings, listen, don't allow yourself to get caught up in all that. There's something bigger here at play. He's not telling you or I to be unhealthy, obviously. We should be healthy in whatever we do. Um, but he says, listen, the new covenant is better than the old covenant, and don't allow yourself to get caught up in the commandment of Judaism of the Old Covenant. You'll be caught there for a long time. And um, now, just in case someone misunderstands me, if you don't want to eat something, don't eat it. No one's telling you you have to. Um, but use moderation in whatever you do. Okay? Whatever you do. So he's going from topic to topic. And you see that in verses 9 to 14. Then he goes from verse 15 to 16, another topic. These are evidence, he says. Evidence is that you're living in faith. This is not, this is not you have a checklist and you're checking off all the little boxes. No, you've got evidence that love is shining through your life. And then also there's a submission to others, and he gives multiple examples, and here's another one. Uh, verse 15, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of, of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to, com and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Under the new covenant, the only sacrifice related to sin is the death of Jesus Christ. And so none of us had to bring an animal to church tonight to sacrifice. Uh, the participants in the new covenant uh, offer sacrifice. 
we offer sacrifice, but we're not doing it through animals. And so there's a submission that happens in our life when we submit ourselves to God and we submit ourselves to God in different types of sacrifice. And he speaks about it. The sacrifice of praise from your lips. There's nothing wrong with giving praise to the Lord and speaking it out. And um, how you praise may be a little different than someone else, uh, but the praise of your lips, uh, he said, uh, let that sacrifice of, of praise to God continually be. Let it come from your lips on a continual basis. Let it be throughout your day. Let it be throughout multiple things that are happening in your life. And he says, giving thanks to his name. This is, um, this is uh, something that should automatically be submitted to on a regular basis. Well, you know, I'm not emotional. Yes, you are emotional. You, you just get the right button, and you'll find out which, which emotions will come out. It might be a little different than someone else, but if your buttons are pushed, let me tell you, we'll find out quickly enough that there's emotion in there. And so it's important for us to obviously be active in our in our uh, worshiping and praising to God continually, which is the fruit of our lips. Verse uh, 16 says, but, but to do good and to communicate, forget not. Um, the, the, he says that doing good, sharing, obviously being uh, uh, appropriate in how we submit to others and in, in, uh, in what we do, our actions, how we treat others. This is all a, a sign or an evidence that our faith is at work. Now, I, I, teach, um, I teach a series to people that are working with me in ministry. It's called Team, Transferring Elijah's Anointed Mantle. That's what it stands for, Team, Transferring Elijah's Anointed Mantle. And I go through the whole series. Um, the, the sessions are built on the story of Elijah and Elisha. It's a great, great story to show uh, training and leadership. And it's built on, uh, on, on, on submission, servanthood, and sacrifice, the three S's. And, and in, that, in that series on um, Elijah and Elisha, you, you just have to ask yourself, who was submitted to who? Well, they were actually both submitted to each other. Elijah shows up where Elisha is and puts his mantle upon his shoulders. It's the most expensive item that he owns, and he put it upon the shoulders of someone before he ever agreed to come along. Elisha was submitted to Elijah before he ever had a contract <laughs> of what it was going to be like if he came along. And so what happens is through the writer of Hebrews, he's giving this example. Listen, we're, we're praising God continually. We're giving thanks to him. But there's a doing good and a sharing that happens to others, which also shows uh, our fellowship to, to our, our, our mankind. This is evidence of our faith at works. Have you ever felt um, 
from time to time, just, just don't bother me. I'm kind of tired. I'm kind of wore out. I'm kind of busy, kind of got a lot on the plate. Kinda, you ever had that thought go through your mind from time to time? Um, so we all can fall into that if we're not careful. Um, but our evidence of our faith that works is actually allowing ourselves to be submitted in doing good and sharing this wonderful, wonderful uh, truth and gospel that God has given to us. It's, and, and our faith is at work when you're doing that. Well, he goes back into verse 17. He's going to hit again this whole idea of leadership. Obey them, verse 17, that have the rule over you. Submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. This is the second time that it's mentioned. First time was in verse 7 about uh, obeying them that had the rule over you. Here you see in verse 17, uh, and then it's going to be again in verse 24. Uh, there's an important factor here that's very, very important for us to keep in mind. It says that they will give an account for your soul. Now, I don't know if we really grasp how serious that is. But when I stand before God, I'm not only standing there on my behalf, but as the pastor of this church, I stand and give an account for your soul. That is, that is something that cannot be taken lightly. That's not an, a, a simple responsibility but that is an evidence of the faith that work in our lives on both sides one side is obeying them that have the rule over you the second side is giving an account for each person that is not that is not a, a, just a, a simple little statement the writer of Hebrews is saying this is this is a very, very important part of the evidence of faith working in our lives. And it doesn't matter what position you have in life, you are accountable to someone. The actuality is the higher you climb in position, the more accountability is required. Okay, so I'll just give you an example. The brethren and sisters of our district, for some reason, felt like it was time three years ago to vote us in as the superintendent of this great district. And I thank God for the privilege of doing that. And I do not take that lightly. But if anyone thinks that that just gives you free reins, it actually brings you under more accountability there's an accountability that we have to 170 ministers of our district besides a whole organization that we're accountable to. That's beyond this great church. So um, what I'm reading to you as evidence of your faith is right back at me. putting myself, again, into the same wording that I said just a few moments ago. 
when we fall into a trap that we are bigger than what we're part of, then we're in big trouble. Because we all are to give an account uh, of how we follow the leadership that God has put in our lives. Okay, we're going to wind it down here. Because these are all, these are all um, evidences of our faith at work. Okay, so first six verses was to do with your love uh, for a particular people. And then the last of this chapter is the evidence of our submission to other people. Uh, verse 18, pray for us, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honestly. Verse 19, but I beseech you, the rather to do this, that I may uh, be restored to you the sooner. Um, and so, uh, notice now, the writer of Hebrews is asking for prayer. Um, that is not a small thing when you have people praying for you. Uh, in this church and in the church previously that we pastored, um, it was implemented that we had the mantle, and if you're um, part of this church on a regular basis, you'll see that on Sunday nights that mantle's passed on. That's been passed on to a different house, a different home, uh, praying for the pastor and his wife and family for the last 16 years. 16 years. That was implemented by Brother Chavis in 2006. I don't take that lightly. When you have someone praying for you on a daily basis, 30 minutes for protection, provision, and power, don't take that lightly. And even in leadership, uh, I have people on a regular basis come and say, Brother Carter, we're praying for you. We're praying for you and your family. That is, that is a huge, huge thing. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, look how he puts it, pray for us. Now, he's not... I mean, he's, he's allowing himself to be submitted to the prayers of the people. He's just given them some pretty strong uh, words, even in this chapter. But then he's turning it around and said, listen, I need your prayer. I need your prayer. And uh, uh, he, he, he's writing and he says, we, uh, we, we, we want to trust. We have a good conscience in all things, willing to live Honestly. But I beseech you the rather to do this that I may be restored to you the sooner, even the possibility of being together with the people of God. And then he gives his conclusion benediction to this book in verses 20 to 25. And you can read through that uh, in, in uh, the rest of that chapter. Uh, just notice through this last section from verse 7 all the way down to verse 25. And um, uh, he's, he's speaking about being submitted to others. Um, he's, he's using words like rule or governmental authority. And that's in a spiritual sense. And, uh, I, and he's making it clear to us that Jesus is the same always. He doesn't, he doesn't change. He he, his spiritual leadership will never change from beginning to end. He's the same yesterday, 
today and, to, and forever. And so our loyalty, obviously, to his word and to him is a key component. And you'll see in this, this passage where he suffered outside the city of Jerusalem for us and believers were outside uh, accepted the religion uh, of that day. And there's uh, always a reproach factor that's going to happen when it comes to living for God. And, and it may even uh, be challenged sometimes in your life in, in how you love people. And people will say, you know what, you're being taken advantage of or you're being manipulated. And there's always possibilities of that. And there's always possibilities that you feel like, well, I've I was submitted in, in this sense, in that sense, and I was let down or people disappointed me. There's always a possibility of that. That's always going to be the case. But that does not change the fact that the two evidences of the faith that God has been at work in our life is to love people and be submitted to people. And it um, doesn't matter how long we serve God, that will come out somewhere in our lives. It will show up at some point in our life where God is at work in our life and we realize that the power of those examples that were given to us in chapter 11, encouragement to us in chapter 12 that you and I could do it, is proven through our lives that God's still at work in how we treat people And I put a little plug right in there that um, there's no room for spiritual abuse. Um, now, let me, let me um, clarify. I also don't think we should get offended by every little thing. But there's no room for spiritual abuse in the family of God. We're all trying to get to the same place. And God's just called us to try to lead. And um, it's important that the leadership treat you the same way that the leadership would want to be treated. Is that all right? Yeah. And that works both ways. So if the leadership's trying to do their best to treat you right, then let it flow the same way, the opposite way. Right? That's, that's, we're just all trying to do it. We're just all trying to get to the right place. And let the evidence be shown in our life by how we treat each other. Are we going to have a bad day from time to time? Yep. Have people tell me, Pastor, if I could live at the church, I, I'd be able to live for God. There's going to be a bad day from time to time. And we're, we're just going to have to make it right. And we're going to have to, we're all human beings. We're going to have to move on. And there's going to be times when it's going to be difficult to come under certain guidance and leadership. That's, that's all normal. Hey, if you go work at, at some fast food restaurant, you're going to get someone that's going to be difficult. You go work at some department store, you're going to get someone who may be difficult from time to time. It's going to happen. 
not going to be any different in the church. There's going to be all types of different stages of leadership that people are learning and, and, and growing in. It's going to be, you know, well, I've been around this church for 50 years, 60 years, and someone's just doing the position for, for two years. And it's, okay, you're going to have those instances. But evidence of faith is shown in our lives by how we treat each other and how we are submitted to each other. I thank the Lord for this church. I do. I thank God for this church. This is a great church, a mature church, and great people in this church. Um, I'm going to say this again. I'll say it again Sunday. My wife and I just finished reading all of our letters. You realize how many letters we got from people in this church? We sat down. We cried, boo-hooed, smiled, and laughed. We have thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed the letters from people from this church. What an absolute blessing it is to pastor such a great congregation. We must, we must let the evidence of God a faith in our lives, continue to love each other and to be submitted to each other. Would you stand tonight? Hallelujah. Just a couple quick announcements. Prayer on Friday night here at the church. And uh, they're having their youth banquet over there tonight. They've put so much work into that youth banquet. And, um, and we have a great... We'll have a great day in the house of the Lord on Sunday. Looking forward to it. Amen. Next, next um, Wednesday, there's no Bible study here next Wednesday. And Christmas Eve service will be at 6 o'clock. So please take note of that. 6 o'clock on Christmas Eve. Amen. Great to be in the house of the Lord. God, I thank you for your mighty power, your mighty presence. Thank you, Lord, that the new covenant is better than the old covenant. Thank you, Lord, for the direction of your word. Thank you, Lord, for the power of your spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for your love, your mercy, and your grace. I pray, God, that it would shine through our lives every day. Help us, God, to use the examples that you've given us to be encouraged that we can live for you to the best of our ability. Lord, let it be that there's evidence in our life, God, of how we love people and how we are submitted to, to people. God, let your blessing be upon, God, your church tonight. And we ask it in the name of Jesus, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.